time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. It is Monday, December 21st, Christmas week. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Looking forward to Christmas this year. Finally got all the last of my shopping done on Saturday, so I'm feeling good. Did well. Feeling good about the shop. Got uh, everyone that was nice, got their good stuff. Even a few people are naughty, got some stuff. So anyway, so good to have you joining here. It is Christmas week, and we're so thrilled that you're joining us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener, our to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. We are accomplishing that. People getting reports of listening to us all over, during all kinds of different things. And a lot of drive time, a lot of workout time, a lot of work in the yard time, things like that. It's just a great way to passively grow as a professional. And we're thrilled that you've chosen our podcast to do that. Check out industrysyndicate.com. Also, mortgagemedia.com. Two places where they aggregate other podcasts and you can listen to them. We have a special guest today that I'm really excited about. I mean, especially looking at the new year. I do a lot of consulting in the area of marketing. What's the new way? And we're all looking at the new year. So we have joining us today, Nick Hedges, who is CEO at Moment Feed. And you'll hear his background a little bit, but very celebrated background. His companies are famous. Velocify is one of the companies he's had. He's other companies. You can't wait to read interviews. It's going to be really, really good. It's live, too. So get ready to text me your questions as we're doing the podcast on the interview in the second half in the Hot Topic segment. And I'll get your questions over to Nick as we're interviewing him. It'll be a great interview. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Grateful for our partnership with them. Be sure to get signed up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app. Get that downloaded on your mobile device so that you can have your voice heard in Washington, D.C. And you do not need to be a member of the NBA, as I see each and every week, but you should be. So get out and get membership going, number one. Number two, listen to the interview we did with Marina Wash about cost, average cost per loan, where things are at. Real insightful, and especially as we're going into the new year. Great podcast that you're planning the next year, and that was done on September 14th, 2020. Also, a special thank you goes to Finastra, their Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. It does a great job of tracking virtually every aspect of the mortgage banking process. It's a convenience, especially when you look at post-closing functions from point of sale all the way through the whole process. So really pleased with our partnership with them. We're going to be doing some New Year programs in conjunction with each other. We're really excited about that. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these co-ops are great places. We did an interview of Justin Demolia back in June. We're going to be getting him back on soon, but we also did recently on December 7th, an interview of Tom Gallucci at the Mortgage Collaborative. Again, the reason you want to become a part of a collaborative or a co-op, which both of these are, is because you get up close and personal. You get to meet vendors in a closer, more meaningful way. You also get to know your peers and peer analysis and what others are doing is so important. Also, we want to say a special thank you to Indicom. It has many solutions for every stage of the mortgage life cycle. And we had them on Linda Bomar and Nairan, who was there with us on August 
2020, and then Incelerate. It does a great job of working with companies and engaging borrowers. An interview with Josh Fine back in August 17th. Also, Celebrity Home Loans does a great job of acquiring companies and growing through acquisitions. You need to pay attention to Celebrity. What uh, Dave Robnett and that company is doing there is pretty exciting. Also, Innovian, which helps you maximize earnings and optimize your ability to really put together rate sheets for getting interest rates out in a timely manner. You got to go back and listen to the podcast we did with Ted Kramer on December 14th. That was an excellent interview. And also, for those of you that are not into secondary marketing or the capital markets, Ted does a great job of talking about the capital markets and where they've been, where they're going, and the complexities that go into it. Just a great informative podcast for anybody to listen to. A lot of great content there. Also, Knowledge Coop is a learning management system Ken Perry has. It's a great program. We love working with them. Also, Mobility RE, as well as Modex. These two companies do a great job of helping you create tools for originating loans and gives you intelligence as well as recruiting top LOs. You need to check out in our website, Looking on Lending, these two companies and what they specifically do. I'm really pleased and the difference it's made for a number of our clients who have brought both of these companies in to work and help them on the recruiting side. Also, Virtual Electronic Mortgage Marketing Assistant is Velma, Brent Embler, also Vendorsurf and Vidyard. So grateful for all of our sponsors. A special thank you goes out to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get out to Rob Van Rapphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. I'm Rob Van Rappers. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, MBA and a coalition of trade associations sent a letter to Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin expressing concerns regarding the possible premature release of the GSEs from conservatorship. The letter emphasized that releasing the GSEs before they are reformed will undermine investor confidence, create volatility in the single-family and multifamily mortgage markets, and impede access to credit for consumers. Also last week, FHFA released a notice of proposed rulemaking to institute a new set of liquidity requirements for the GSEs. This proposal, which follows the recent finalization of the updated capital requirements for the GSEs, would include four measures of minimum liquidity, two based on expected cash flows and two based on long-term funding. The rule includes an effective date of September 2021. MBA will analyze the proposed rule and respond with recommendations as needed. That's it for now. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you getting us over an update of what you guys are focused on there. Again, become a member of the MBA. They do so much for our industry and it's a great networking. We miss the conferences. Can't wait for them to come back this next year and to seeing everybody. It's been a tough year, weird year, but the MBA continues, has done yeoman's work at making sure the right issues get addressed. And what Rob was just talking about with the GSEs coming out of conservatorship is probably one of the most important ones. This is going to have such a far-reaching impact. This is pretty far down the road, folks. We work closely with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and Jenny Mae for the two coming out of conservatorship, at least that's proposed, and uh, we work closely with them. But there's a lot of new emails. Let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and this Les's latest music parody and see what he's got for us. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Last Christmas, bears ruled in our hearts, but the very next month, COVID took it away. This year, to save us from tears, we'll take shots to keep bears special. 
Last Christmas, mortgage rates were 375 and the Christmas before that, they approached 5%. The rise in rates during 2018 hurt mortgage production. Now, with rates below 3%, lenders fear no pain. COVID-19 accelerated trends. Government response to COVID-19 gave us a flash depression. The Fed rescued rates from the shock. The trend changes fueled a mortgage boom. Rest assured, next Christmas, rates will give us something special. These views are my own. Want more? Go to tmspotlight.com. Like the music, a good report. Yeah, what is special? What are going to be interest rates next year? So we're going to be focusing on that in the new year. After the first of the year, we're going to be talking about interviewing some of those that are doing a great job of prognosticating. I think it's going to be a phenomenal, another really, really good year. Maybe not quite as good as this year. This one's going to go down on the record books as probably the, the high watermark for our volume and earnings and so many things about it. But certainly we got some great years ahead. I really do, really, really do believe. Anyway, Matt Graham is here with us with an update on, on the mortgage market. Matt? This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live Market Update. Last week was busy at face value with a good amount of economic data, as well as key events in the form of the Fed announcement and the stimulus update. But for all of the potential market movers, things stayed pretty calm. Bonds started the week in stronger territory, not necessarily for any particular reason, and then spent the next four days gradually moving back toward weaker levels. Economic data didn't start for the week until Tuesday, and it began with import-export prices. Not typically a big market mover. This was no exception. New York Fed manufacturing was uh, stronger, indicated expansion, but not as strong as expected. Industrial production was a little bit better than expected, but down versus the previous month. All in all, manufacturing sector looks like it is holding pretty steady, not really blowing the lid off any expectations, but not alarmingly weak either. Wednesday was the big day with the Fed announcement in the afternoon. More on that in a moment. But the morning began with MBA applications, both purchases and refis came in stronger than expected, continuing a really epic year for the mortgage origination side of the business. Retail sales, much weaker than expected, minus 1.1 versus a forecast of minus 0.3. That's on top of a negative revision to the previous month's data from positive 0.3 to negative 0.1. In simpler terms, retail sales were weaker than expected and the previous month was revised weaker than expected. PMI manufacturing, this is from market, by the way, with an I, not the ISM manufacturing, came in a little bit stronger and PMI services came in a little bit weaker. Neither were in alarming territory, but neither are improving from last month. So that has us on the lookout for the more important or the bigger market mover, ISM manufacturing, non-manufacturing to either hold steady or deteriorate slightly. Business inventories held steady. Crude oil inventories started to level off after last week's really epic glut that was so big, some were concerned that it would have an inflationary or disinflationary impact, but no real correlation that I saw. Fed came in the afternoon, and the big consideration there was whether or not the Fed would extend its weighted average maturity of its bond buying portfolio. What that means is that traders were thinking, and the Fed had hinted that it could be a possibility, that they would increase the average lifespan of the bonds that they own. That means that if they're going to spend 10 bucks in the bond market today, if they are buying $5 worth of two-year bonds and $5 worth of 10-year bonds, if they were going to maximize their weighted 
average maturity among those two choices, they would spend all $10 on the 10-year bonds and your notes. And that would increase the weighted average maturity and it would be better for longer term rates. It keeps that accommodation in the market for a longer period of time, all other things being equal, and generally would help things like mortgage rates be a little bit lower than they otherwise might be. By the time the meeting finally arrived, the market was really leaning toward the Fed probably not doing anything. And at least some of that had to do with prospects for fiscal stimulus being passed, even though it's not the stimulus plan that some may have wanted or hoped for. Just getting anything passed at this point is uh, reassuring for the Fed from an accommodation standpoint. They really view the fiscal side as the more important side for the economy in the short term, and they view their own policy as more of a blunt instrument and not as efficient as fiscal. So even though fiscal wasn't completely dialed in, the fact that lawmakers on both sides of the aisle had been saying, hey, look, we're not going to leave Washington for Christmas until we get something done, was reassuring enough to probably push the Fed over the edge of not extending the weighted average maturities. So there was a little bit of weakness right when the Fed announcement came out due to that fact, because some traders were still sort of holding out for that possibility. But when it didn't happen, yields spiked very briefly, and then they began to come down. The first reason they began to come down is that the statement itself was a little bit more bond-friendly than the previous one. There were minor tweaks to what's known as the forward guidance component of the statement, where they say how they'll change their policy depending on certain eventualities in the future. In this case, they specifically laid out their MBS buying amount, which was nice to see. And they said that it's going to continue until there's substantial improvement to their dual mandate, which is employment and price stability. Then in the press conference, Powell was bond-friendly yet again, and the most notable point was when he got a little bit more animated about inflation and said, hey, look, we got to be really honest about inflation here, people. It's not like it was in the 70s. We're going to be able to put a lot more money into the monetary system without running the risks of hyperinflation that we may have been conditioned to fear from back in the day. And bonds reacted to that immediately. Yields came back down. Of course, all of this is occurring in a very small range in the bigger picture. And indeed, the following morning saw bigger bond movement without the Fed being in play. A lot of that could be assumed to be early uh, year-end, month-end, quarter-end trading. And it took yields lower at first, but then higher. And that was pretty much it for the week. Everything else was drifting in the same range that was set by Wednesday and Thursday. Heading into the new week, we had a little bit of a surprise market mover in the form of a buzz that had gathered momentum surrounding a new strain of COVID that's faster spreading, scary stuff, whatever. And stocks and bond yields logically fell on that. But the more markets understood this news, the more that those initial reactions sort of pushed back in the other direction. Probably the biggest reason there would be that everyone agrees that the vaccine is still going to be effective versus this new strain. If the new strain even continues to be a concern and we don't necessarily know that it will at the moment. So a pretty logical reaction from the bond market. As far as this week goes, bonds are still holding in a sideways range, just trying to make it to the end of the year without any major drama or surprises. Should be a light volume week, should be a relatively low liquidity week. That can sometimes lead to 
surprising moves in either direction, but those moves tend not to be long lasting. And if anything, they could easily be reversed in the following week. We've seen that many times. But all other things being equal, unless 10-year yields are breaking outside a range of, say, 0.88 to 0.96, really nothing new is happening. That's the sideways range that's dominated for a month now. And uh, until that changes, really nothing is changing. From an economic data standpoint, everything's compressed into Tuesday and Wednesday. And that makes Wednesday a really, really big day for economic data. But so many people are going to be tuning out so early that even if bond markets are moving, I really wouldn't put much stock in that movement. That's all for today. Just a reminder to listeners, mbslive.net has a benefit for licking on lending listeners. Use the code LOL when you get to the site to set up your free trial and you'll get double the free time, no credit card requirement. Back to you, Dave. Have a great week. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate that. I'm looking also at existing home sales coming out on Tuesday. That's going to be a big one. We look at where the housing market's at. And then also we got the five-year treasury note auction. See what that activity is. And then just Wednesday. Wow, look at that. I'm looking at the trading range. This is a really nice system, folks. Check it out. Go get the free trial and go and get the extra time. There's so much on the screen. I could go on and on, and on but appreciate it. Matt, appreciate the partnership. Have a Merry Christmas, friend. Let's get over to Alice Alvey, who is here with a legislative update. Again, Alice has been here since the very beginning of the podcast. We're so grateful for her contribution each and every week. One of the more sought after, listened to, downloaded segments, especially when you go back over a period of time. Yeah, you heard Rob mention about the Federal Housing Finance Agency. There's a lot more talk about the liquidity requirements, especially mm-hmm. independent mortgage bankers will have to be following. So to give everybody just a little bit of context, it was back in January when FIFA proposed the update to what the capital and liquidity requirements would be for IMBs. That was about January 31st. Then everybody had a chance to respond. MBA provided detailed comments. And then we had in June that FIFA announced would not be implementing all the proposed changes yet, and they would re-propose at a later date some lessons learned from the pandemic, because a lot of this is about determining stress testing and the impact of COVID, of course. The thing that hit everybody hard last week was Fannie and Freddie both published memos. And I'm laughing at the way it's laid out in particular in Fannie. It's not summarized at the top, right? It lists always the topics that are covered in a memo. It's not listed. And then it's like in the middle of a page break split, a paragraph split between page one and page two. It's like, did you think we wouldn't notice this was in the home by placing it there? What is going on? But basically it says that lenders would not be able to use their MSRs for any unused portion of their credit lines in their assets. So this is a big change in the asset calculation. So any committed lines of credit would not be able to be put in the liquidity requirements. So when you look at the overall change of what's changing in the minimum financial eligibility requirements, this is one that MBA was trying to push back on to not have implemented. And so to have FIFA just put it in a memo, and by the way, the effective date that was put in the memo was March 31st, which is very different from the overall liquidity tests that are effective at the end of 2021. So I think as lenders, we're definitely getting together again and to make sure that we understand and can potentially push this back and change the date on this. There is an attachment that FIFA gives if anybody isn't sure where to get it. The MBA has a good link to it. I'm happy to send it to you that summarizes what the financial eligibility requirement changes are. That part's not unexpected. 
good that they want IMVs to have higher liquidity. This piece kind of coming out in advance on its own without any additional consideration, that really starts to be the issue and this is a pattern, unfortunately. So more on that, but that's what happened just last week, the change in liquidity requirements. As another side note, VA did propose a temporary measure for partial claims for COVID. So similar to what FHA has, it's the additional step in a waterfall process that will allow a lender to create a second lien that VA will purchase. It'll be a 1% note rate, 10-year term. It can be up to 15% of the current UPB of the loan, and that'll help borrowers basically finance their delinquent payments. And so it's a great thing. It's a proposed rule out there. VA is looking for comments. You have till January 8th to respond. Uh, so Dave, those are my two big things for today. Juices Christmas is coming up. You would think it would slow down, but still oh. news out there, even though it's not new bills, it's the agencies acting up. Yep. Great job. Appreciate it, Alice. Absolutely. And Merry Christmas to you and one of my favorite guys out there, her husband. He is just such a great guy. He takes great care of me. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all our listeners out there. Yes, yes, yes. Now got Alan Pollock here with the tech update. Alan, good to hear your voice, friend. How you been? Good. So here's a good laugh. I was looking at these quotes online and the saying like the, the TV commercial, David, right? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Anyway, <laughs> this one was a note. And it said, well, I heard what you did for a Klondike bar. Call me, please. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. I appreciate yeah. you laughing to make me look like I was doing good there. Oh, you did all right. So a couple things going on in the news. Rocket Companies, uh, a company called Nexus Technologies launched their clear HOI platform for mortgage lenders. And what it does is basically cut the homeowner's insurance verification time to minutes. They say mere minutes. And it allows lenders to automate that process. There's a couple tech platforms out there doing that. It's just another process in the efficiency gain of going digital, especially with so many consumers and everyone being so digital because of the year of 2020 and what it's done to us. So hats off to rocket companies and Nexus, another great piece of technology that everyone should be looking at. David Tavant, on December 2nd, they mentioned that they have a new partnership with a company called Softworks AI, and it's basically document automation services. Tavant is ingesting documents, as you would assume they are. It's called FinCapture, and they're doing indexing classification. A lot of people are now doing this. It is extremely important in the age of needing to create efficiencies in underwriting and manufacturing and extracting data. And we can't keep hiring more underwriters and more auditors. It's very difficult and very expensive. So hats off to Tavant on that. David, we've heard this one last week. I had somebody text me right away and say, holy cow, $280 million in cash. Walter Kluwers agreed to acquire a cloud-based digital lending software provider eOriginal for that much money. So that's a very interesting acquisition. And mortgage servicing company, they call it FinTech company, Sagent, has announced a partnership with Busy Labs. That's a name I haven't heard before. Busy Labs, they're a provider of compliance risk mitigation technology powered by artificial intelligence and big data tools, as you'd expect I was going to say. Partnership automates compliance and operational costs, lowering those. But here's the kicker. Sagent is a servicing company. They do many things, but servicing is one area of their focus. So they're Mm -hmm. looking at using AI to power compliance and help servicers better manage their portfolio for onboarding and monitoring loans from regulators, investors, top servicers, default, all the things that are going on right now in servicing. They're creating all kinds of great technology there. So very interesting what Busy Labs and and Sagent is doing. And David, before I get into fraud, which is a topic I want to talk about as we end the year here and people sort of let their guard down a little bit, is Caliber Home Loans. I love this. They have launched what they call their Processor Accelerated Career Education System, PACE, P-A-C-E. 
doesn't have anything to do with technology, but we need to be doing this in technology and in our industry more like what Caliber's doing. Basically, they allow a non-industry professional to get a career mortgage and they let themselves learn everything about mortgage. It's seven weeks of hands-on training and then they hire those folks at the end of graduation. What's it stand for? PACE stands for Processor Accelerated Career Education. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I like that. Right before we get to the big topic I want to talk about, which is fraud real quick. What do you think, David, you're more likely to put into children's stockings this Christmas? Because Statistica has a stat, and they do really good stats, and they take data from all different kinds of places. So what do you think America wants to put in their children's stockings this Christmas? I'll give you a guess. Of the top four, you tell me what you think is the number one. You have the choice between candy, chocolate, gum, small toys, lip balm, or gift cards. Gift cards. If it's a teenager, it's got to be gift cards. Well, not according to Statistica. So gift cards was fourth, lip balm was third, what? small toys was second, and candy, chocolate, and gum was number one. 74% uh. for candy and gum compared to 45% for gift cards. And you look at the bottom of the list, only 29% was movies, music, and books. So the yeah. world of digital, right? With everything online, no one's getting books and movies, DVDs in their stockings anymore. I tell you, this is an indication of where our country's going. David, so last week there was a lawsuit filed for a mortgage brokerage company. They claimed that one of their former loan officers stole a database containing client names and information and brought it to his new job. I'm not mentioning names and companies. The LO basically downloaded it into Dropbox. That's one way fraud happens, but that's not where the problem is. That is a problem, but our wonderful mortgage lenders and, and financial institutions to, to take care of. But we're talking here about letting our guard down, sniffers, people that hack into your Gmail account to your other accounts and they look for mortgage and accounts and all that. And they, they monitor it for months and months. And then finally, when they see that there's something going on, they intercept and they impersonate the bank, the lender, the, yeah. the attorney the legal entities and they steal your money. Well, that just happened. It happens every day, by the way. Aaron and Lindsay Fisher, they found the dream home in Northern California. It was a million and a half dollars. They got an inheritance and they went to wire $921,000. Oh, Aaron's no. a, a psychology professor. He's one of the sharp crayons in the box. But what happened is exactly like I said, the money mm. went out and it went offshore to China. Luckily, the FBI got involved. This never or rarely happens. The money rarely. was recovered. So they oh. got the money back. Oh, yeah. There's a happy end. But this, this year alone, $220 million in schemes like this have occurred. There's companies yep. in our industry, Funding Shield, Ditrix, and many others. Part of the transactions in the communication have to be in your portal or leveraging yep. secure messages. So it's that time of the year where January is coming. We're short on staff. Don't let your guard down. Right. You communicate okay. to your borrowers exactly what it is that they need to be wary of, even if you don't have the technology in place. But with all the technology we've been implementing and investing our money in, make sure next year you prioritize your portal, your consumer engagement portal to have the things that you need for the closing documents, for the wire instructions. Make sure that you're using phone call conversations with your loan officer. Make sure those things are occurring correctly and you'll help prevent that wire fraud. It's the worst thing when a homeowner saves their entire life. Uh life or an inheritance, and it goes away because of one simple mistake in a Gmail account. So wire yep. fraud is a big deal. There's technology ways to 
solve it. Outside of that, listen, we will have another podcast next week, David, but Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and looking forward to next week. And then we'll kick off an awesome 2021. Yeah, we will. That's a report. We started telling that story. I started cringing again because it's just too much of that going on. And especially when it's an inheritance, money coming from family, it's never good. But anyway, Alan, thank you so much for the update. I could go on and on in commentary, but we want to get on to the hot topic. Yes. So anyway, that wraps up our weekly update of the mortgage. Anyways, next week, we're going to have Jessica Peterson on. She's a friend and she's talking about things you can do to set your goals, meet your goals in the new year. Jessica is been a guest in the past. You'll enjoy her podcast. Also, special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, as well as the CMLA, or the Community Mortgage Lenders of America Group, as well as Indicom, Accelerate, Mobility, RE, Modex, and all the others. Check them all of our advertisers out on our website, looking on lykkenonlending.com. Appreciate you all being here. It's been a great interview. So much fun. Have a great week, everyone. Merry Christmas. And uh, be sure to come back next week. And then we'll wish you a happy new year. Thank you for being here and sharing this podcast with others. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.